Want to start your own podcast? Anchor makes it super easy. Here's what you need to know about Anchor. Most importantly, it's free. Second, there are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor distributes your podcast to numerous platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a quality podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. Okay, so hi everybody. Nice to be with you again. How are you, Michelle? I am doing very well. Yourself? I can't complain. Just keeping healthy, um, learning. Well, you can't complain because I've been looking at your IG and I see that you've been eating lots of yummy goodness <laughs> from District Chalk Bar. And I've been over here like on a detox and feeling very, very jealous. So, and, and the good thing is that today's episode, our guests will be um, the owner of District Chuck Bar. So Lydia, since you've been um, just really enjoying all that good food while I've been over here starving, why don't you tell us about our guests for today's episode? <laughs> I, first of all, I definitely want to commend you on doing a 14-day detox during quarantine. I just don't know. that That's a mental discipline that I know nothing about. So um, I'm just going to leave Let's that just say there. it was not easy. <laughs> right. Um, but on to delicious African food. Um, everybody knows that I am a foodie. I love restaurants. I love happy hours. I love tasting menus. I love all of these things. And I uh, met Margaret. We were both uh, commissioners um, at the DC Commission on African Affairs together. And she started DC Chop Bar as this African fusion concept. And two years later, she has a commercial kitchen, she does events. And um, yeah, the sky's really been the limit with the business. And what I really love about it, other than the food is delicious and a slice of home for those that eat, um, you know, West African food, is just her story about taking something that she loves to do, like so many entrepreneurs, and spinning it into a viable business. And so hearing from Margaret, uh, hearing about her thoughts about uh uh, traversing and looking at funding options, whether those be loans or grants, I think is really sort of insightful. And then hearing about how a business is pivoting and working through sort of COVID realities, you know, with what's been an absolutely devastating blow to most of our local restaurants and catering businesses. But seeing how she's adapting, I think, again, really important to know how to support local businesses at a time like this. Great intro, Lydia. And without further ado, Margaret. Hello. How are you guys doing? Staying safe and well? We're doing our Trying best. Trying to. Yeah. <laughs> how are you? Same here. Trying my best to sort of social distance, 
Uh, since I have to go out, um, I'm limiting the amount of times I do go out just because I do have to serve clients, uh, going to the markets and stuff, but really respecting that by going certain hours, making sure it's not crowded. So I, I'm managing. I went to the supermarket this morning a little bit after six, and I must say it was a very frustrating experience. I think I'm just going to keep staying in more often. <laughs> like, I think I'm done with the supermarket. Right. It's what happened? No, nothing happened. Just the whole process of being in there and trying to social distance, and it just wasn't fun. Right. No, I yeah. definitely, um, I, I, I can relate to what you're saying because I know a lot of the grocery stores have taken measures um, by having yes, um, six feet sort of taping on the floor, and they've even put um, a sort of clear glass between the cashier and guests to make sure they're protected. Um, but I think you have, it's, it's almost as if everybody is sort of self-managing on their own and not everybody respects those boundaries. That's the scary part. And that's why it's stressful. Right. It's trying to dodge other people who are unaware. And I'm like, please don't come this right. way. Right. Yeah, or just they really don't care. Yeah, it's so surreal at the moment. Um, yeah, it's just this new normal is is taking some adjustment. But um but Margaret, um, you know, I've known you <laughs> a long time, it feels like. Forever. But, <laughs> <laughs> so tell 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 our audience a little bit about yourself and how you came to start District Top Bar. Absolutely. Well, ladies, it's a pleasure being on the podcast and thank you so much for thinking of me. Um so <laughs> I'm from Sierra Leone. I spent more than half of my life still in the States, in Northern Virginia, a little bit of time in Boston as well. Uh, currently living in D.C., uh, uh, southeast side of D.C., Ward 8. So my background is sort of in serving the diaspora. I've been part of the Young African Professionals Network, YAP, as a co-founder of it. It's a nonprofit that provides resources to support the needs of Africans in position of power and influence and just to change the African narrative. So being part of that network, I'm always meeting people. I met one of my very good friends, Joy Spencer. She's Sierra Leonean. She's a career and life coach. She, I went to a workshop of hers hmm, about two years ago, and uh, she did this How to Be a Better Collaborator workshop. And in that workshop, she talked about what does a perfect ecosystem look like for you where you can really be yourself and be successful. And I just kept on looking and I was like, there's culture, there's food. I mean, I'm always eating. <laughs> and then I just realized, really, I, I love to cook. It's something that my family does a lot. I've talked about it a lot. Um, I had a friend too, a partner where we used to always go out to eat, come back and say, hey, you know, I bet we could do this better. You know, we would do that for every food, especially African food too. And so that's how this Chopper really came about. Just the love of culture and food. And this was two years ago. And I, I, I want to ask you, um, we're going to get a little bit more into sort of the genesis of it, but can it, like in a sentence, can you describe sort of District Chop Bar's kind of like ethos? Yeah. District Chop Bar is a West African fusion concept where offer offers services that include catering, meal prep, wholesale distribution, and we also do pop-ups at festivals. The goal really is to take the DMV, the 
D.C. area on a food journey to West Africa. That is a delicious journey. One that I enjoy <laughs> taking you. all the time. Thank you. Um, yes, and really to showcase the connection, too, between the diaspora, the African diaspora. We're talking about the Caribbean, those here down south and Africa. Just that connection together. It's just, it's so beautiful. It's so strong. And especially when you see it through food, uh, I'm just, every day I'm learning and I'm just like, wow, this is just, we are all the same people. You know, Indeed. I'm from the Caribbean, so it's nice to know that it's a diaspora fusion and covers the Caribbean, so I know there's something there for me, too, and I can't wait to come. Oh, there's many things. There is many. There are many things there for you, Michelle. There are so many things. Just uh, yesterday, I have a, a client that's Haitian, and her husband is Sierra Leonean. She's actually on the food map diet, which is where they don't have any. I don't know if you know about that, because it was something new to me, the food map diet. Where they don't have anything from the onion family, garlic, onions, it just sort of makes them um, bloated. Their body just doesn't digest it that well. And so she's given me this challenge to sort of make this apple fusion that I already do. But being that she's Haitian, her husband is Sierra Leone, and I try to merge the narrative too uh, for their household when I make their meals. And the other day I was making um, bouillon uh, to me, which is the bouillon. It, to me, it's just like Sierra Leone, best, which is a very hearty potato, yam. Uh, plantain, beef, or whatever meat you want, soup. And I, I was telling my cousin about it. I said, this is the same thing as Yebe that we have in Sierra Leone. So that, that's also pretty much delicious. what I did. I around. <laughs> yeah, I think when you break it down, you start to realize that, you know, the the food in the diaspora and the Caribbean in particular has still uh, many linkages um, to the food. Absolutely. And so let's talk about, you know, you're in the restaurant business and restaurants, um, even in the best of times, can struggle with cash flow, right. margins, you know, the failure rate for restaurants are traditionally very high. It's a volatile industry. Could you talk a little bit about what you've learned operating District Chop? How do you create a lean operating um, model? And also, how have you been sort of adjusting during this time of COVID? Absolutely. When we initially, when this is how Bar came about, the idea was let's do a food truck. No, let's do a, a, a restaurant. Um, let's do all these amazing things. And then as we started taking these accelerator classes and courses, you learn about the cost associated, uh, the politics behind them, and then also um, the success and failure rates, as you say, you know, we're in year two. The goal really is, will we make it to year five, right? Oh, definitely. But you know those uh, um, numbers all the time. The statistics don't lie. And so you kind of have to come in and say, what is my plan here? And that plan may evolve and change, but you really have to constantly be on your toes and strategize. Um, so with District Shop Bar, currently we don't have a uh, storefront. We operate from a commercial kitchen um, right in the Rhode Island Ave northeast side of D.C. Uh, that allows us, we're still following health, food, and safety protocol. We operate from a commercial kitchen. We're still able to provide people with curbside and delivery options as if we were in an actual restaurant. And so what that does is helps us to really cut costs and really uh, gives us the opportunity to save money, build the name of the business, the brand, and the clientele as well. That way we'll know what is the next step. Uh, whatever that is, we'll know 
based on this uh, type of feedback we're getting from clients, uh, the, the funds we're raising, and just overall experience within the first two years. Yeah. So what I used to serve actually many years ago, I served uh, high school and college. And so that gave me some background on both front of the house and back of the house operation of restaurants. And I know one of the costs associated with running any type of business is really that human capital. You bring in a staff, you train them, and then sometimes that staff may stay with you or they may not. And then you have to think about the next group of staff to train again. But that's a lot of resources that's built in. Lucky for me with District Shop Bar, uh, this has become almost a labor of love with family support. Uh, so I have my aunties, they come in. Uh, if, I, if, they're, if I need uh, more people, whatever the event is that we're doing or the capacity that's needed, they're there to really provide that resource and support. And so I have them. Also the cousins who are here for summer breaks um, in college employ them as well. What that helps me to do too is they're already aware of the recipes. They know them very well and um, the culture and just how things are being served up. And so for me, that already helps me to save costs in terms of my labor costs, uh, staff talent. They're helping me in that area. And so I'm able to still be creative in the kitchen, but still providing service to the community and also helping those aunties they're not necessarily um, blood relative, but as we know in the black culture or African culture, anybody who's an older is an auntie, you know, so therefore we're able to also help them to supplement their income. I think this is a, a really good way of sort of saying, you know, it's the family, friends, and sometimes full model of all of the people in your circle that you can get to assist and help. Um, so right. it's beautiful to hear that it's, it's, a, it's a labor of love, but it's also um, sort of a family and an extended family operation. So in that same Absolutely. vein, Margaret, um, can you talk about the types of funding? So, you know, the, the, the 3F model that I just talked about, most people tap, you know, the family, the friends, um, and whoever else falls or otherwise that they can get to kind of like see the vision. Outside Absolutely. of that, yeah, out, outside of that, who do you, what are the best sort of funding and finance vehicles uh, that best lend themselves to culinary uh, enterprises? Yes. Uh, so in the D.C. area, there are lots of, um, and for your listeners who may not be from the D.C. metropolitan area, I'm well aware you have um, listeners from all over the world, which is amazing. I would say checking in with your local business um, organization, whether it's a women-owned business um, cooperative that sort of supports women businesses, check in with them because they have a list of funding program opportunities. Uh, for me here, I know in D.C. they have the Great, um, the great Street Grants. I've mostly been focusing on grants versus getting loans. Uh, in the first two years, I told myself that the goal is not to get a loan yet, but also to see what I can get based on funding that's available to the community. So um, in D.C., what I pride myself upon is just being part of a member of a community and a great network. So, for example, uh, D.C. has various organizations. The Latino Economic Development Center, for example, they do workshop classes. They also 
do financial classes and also they, they give grants and, and loans as well. So I try to check in with them. I stay up to date on their newsletter to see what funding is available. Even times like this as well, all these organizations have funding that they're um, promoting to the public. The DC Department of Small and Local Business Development, DCLBD, they, I'm on their listserv. I've made sure the director knows my face, knows my name. I go to a lot of the events because they also do micro business uh, green grants that are issued in the winter and in the fall of each year. And those grants are for people that live in low income areas, mostly minorities, uh, food desert area, and that's one of the neighborhoods that I live. So looking for resources and grants and applying for those, I found for me are the best because with grants, you are following whatever the protocol is to get the grant, showing up, um, showing paperwork, having a business plan, what it is that you intend to do with the grants is very important. I just find that having loans right now as it's not part of my plan, um, especially because my business is registered as an LLC. So when I do my taxes, is that part of it? It's part of my personal tax. I just support my profit within my personal taxes. And so my goal is really to keep a clean credit line, not just on the business side, but also my personal side, because should I decide to take that step uh, of getting a loan, I know that I'll make, I need to make sure I have a good track record, if that makes sense. There's also the Dreaming Out Loud um, incubator program, which really uh, prepare, prepares, um, would say, entrepreneurs at every stage of their business to sort of um, help them to scale, network with local businesses, whether it's farmers, uh, commercial kitchen spaces as well, and then the different DC departments as well. So that way they're sort of aware who the network is of decision makers when operating a business. If they need to follow any type of regulation, they kind of can match a name and face to that department that they need to go to. Great. And so Margaret, did you do this research sort of prior to starting or are you doing it as you go? Like, how are you kind of like finding <laughs> out where these pots of gold are? Great question. Um, as I go. So when I, when we uh, first started the business, it was through uh, a business boot camp. Applied, made it to the top two. And from then you started learning about this organization and that organization. And so being given those opportunities, I've sort of taken it upon myself. Um, I don't think that, you know, opportunities will come your way. But most of the time I find that you really have to be proactive regardless of what track you're doing, whether it's culinary, whether it's a nonprofit, you really have to be proactive to do your research and, and really keep uh, in mind what is it that you tend to do how do you plan to do it and what are the ways to do so? And I think researching fundings that are available, whether it's through grants or loan programs, I think it's very important. Going to business conferences in the area is another great way too to meet lenders. Um, the Catholic University of America, right um, in DC and the Northeast side, recently had a conference uh, just for startup businesses, matching them with funders. And I went to that on a Saturday in between 
meal prepping, and it, the good thing is 8 to 12. They really understood that this this conference was meant to be for foodies, and foodies on Saturday are going to be in the kitchen. And so in, in those four hours, it really was um, very much insightful, a um, lot of information given, and connected us with really tastemakers um, in the business who are doing things, thinking outside the box. And then also there's the opportunity to match you with funding. They have a form where, depending on what stage you are, you can complete that form. And then someone will contact you to sort of interview you and see how to go about assisting you. So always do research. Uh, we're always constantly learning. Ask questions. Go to events, even if you don't want to on a Saturday morning. You know, try to squeeze it in because you'll never know what information you'll walk out with. So, Margaret, you you mentioned tastemakers. So putting Jalafors aside and all of that, what do you think are the opportunities for African tastemakers in the space? That is, how does African diaspora cuisine make its mark and be profitable? Oh, um, I think that's such a great question, and I love that question. Um, I think African cuisine has been here. It's nothing new to anybody. Um, African cuisine is in everything. We we started this um, talk talking about just the connection within the diaspora, um, and I think African food can be seen the influence of it around the world. Um, in the states here, you see it more so. In the Caribbean, you see it there. And I think uh, since it's there, a lot of people taste with their they eat food with their eyes, you know, and then they taste after. And for us African foods, we have very interesting cuisine that are very healthy, whether it's a, a cassava leaf from the leaves of a cassava. If you're trying to explain that to someone, they're like, oh, hmm, how does that look, right? And so having to explain that to them or showing them and then the way you capture it, you know, then they say, oh, wow, that, that's nice. Or that tastes really good. But at first when they see it, they're just like, oh, what is that, right? So I think for us, the food is great. We have to do the step of, presentation as well, just because a lot of people may not be exposed to it, may not know what it is, and we already love it, but how do you sell it to someone, right? So we have to do a good job of telling that story, especially as African foodies, how do we capture, use Instagram, social media to really show people what they're missing out on, right? Um, I think also uh, it's about service. It's about creating an experience. When I was always going out, I would come back and say, how would I make something better if I had my own restaurant? It was really all about selling the experience. How would people remember uh, District Top Bar and say, I, I definitely want to come back to it? So we do that with service, too. When people come, we want to make sure that they know that this is food that we want them to enjoy. I follow up well, with people, either by text, by Instagram, or call and say, how was your food? You know, What did you like about it? What did it remind you of? Uh, when we did festivals, we do a lot of vegan and other festivals in the area. One of the best feedbacks we get from people is, this tastes like home. And this is mostly from the Caribbean folks. And I just love it when they have my ginger beer or my bisap, which is like soul. And so I, I always love that. And so I think the people have already had a taste of it in some way, whether it's through, you know, the Caribbean side or on the American side, down south cooking, or a fusion of some sort. because. African food is just so diverse. Um, if you go all over the continent, I mean, it's just 
everybody's been exposed to it, you know. And so I think the goal really is about creating that full experience for people as African tastemakers, letting people know that we can provide great service. Uh, that's what we do. We are great at, you know, providing hospitality to people. When someone comes to your home, the first thing you're asking them is, have you eaten, you know, and you feed them. And so when somebody is coming to your restaurant, we have to make sure that that is the same type of hospitality that we're showcasing to them. You know, if they're calling to order uh, a carryout, you know, by the time they get there, is the food still cooking? I know one of my biggest challenges um, was I ordered my food for some of my fellow African restaurants. You get there and you still don't have it. And then there is no explanation. It's just like, you just wait. We know African food is not fast food. It takes a lot of love to make, right? But we have to remember it's still a business and we have to adapt to whatever area or community environment we are at that is like, are we providing a service? Is it a timely service? You know, is it quality? So yeah, me, I mean, I think that that's some of the challenges that we have to work through. Yeah, Margaret, you you make such a good point because I think, you know, my pet peeve is when you get to a restaurant and, you know, you go through the menu and it, literally they don't have, you know, three quarters of the things on there. And, you know, right. it's hard because <laughs> I realize that is also that one of my pet peeves. So get in there and the food not ready. I want, and I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> not available. Hey, don't expect to see my face again. But in right, some right. sense, in some sense, now I understand because if you're dealing with perishable food that is, right. you know, that you might have, especially at, at this present time, volatility in access, you know, you have to Absolutely. make those decisions and so sometimes you know to not scrimp on quality you have to kind of limit and manage expectations but I think you're right I think that the service piece and the presentation piece of African food has grown exponentially and I think the right. sky can used to be the limit absolutely and on and also you know while talking about the fact that service seems to be an issue at some of them. Let's also highlight those who are doing great. Um, we all been to Swahili Village in, in Maryland. If, if we haven't, Swahili Village is a Kenyan restaurant that's in, in Maryland. And um, I believe it might be Beltsville, Maryland. Um, don't quote me on that. <laughs> Just look it up. But basically, I bring Swahili Village up because um, I've been there. I've had challenges at times with service, um, but yeah, I keep going and I introduce people because I believe in what it stands for. Um, I haven't gone there yet where they said they didn't have a, anything that wasn't uh, that was on the menu. They always have that, uh, but at the same time, they're scaled from where it was more so a takeout to where it's a full sit-down restaurant. The owner Kevin, um, I've spoken to him before, used to. Uh, he said he comes from a tribe in Kenya where the men don't even cook. Um, the women do the cooking. And so he said he's never cooked till he came to the States. And he cooks for his restaurant and had to learn, you know, through it. But what was interesting about his background, from what I learned from him, he used to work for Home Depot, he said, uh, back then. So he had more of a business background than he had a culinary. And so he merged the two. So I think what we need to do more so is, while we opt, like, that, the food is going to be great, right? And so we know it's going to be good. But what's going to keep customers coming again and again is knowing that you're really providing that service that we're talking about, thinking of the business aspect of it, right? 
what makes people happy, or, you know, what makes them coming back and spending money and really investing in my business, right? And so we have to always lend a business lens. We have to borrow a chapter from, like, a business aspect. Yes, we're operating a family business or a labor of love or just want to display our culture, but it's still a business, and we must treat it like that. I agree, Margaret. And you talked about learning to adapt, whether to the presentation and the expectation of this customer base. But I would like to also talk about adapting to the current economic environment that we find ourselves in with the COVID-19 pandemic. What is your advice right. businesses struggling to figure out how to reorient their business model and attract sales? You know, I've been very lucky where actually I'm knocking on wood now. We're doing better this time because we mostly rely on festivals. Um, now than we did last year. And it, it was, at, you know, the chicken or the egg, what came first. So we were launching uh, the Afrofusion Lunchbox this March, and that's really when COVID hit the, the DMZ area. And the Afrofusion Lunchbox is basically giving people an opportunity, whether it's for lunch or dinner, to, uh, to buy um, a lunch portion of uh, West African fusion uh, cuisine. And so you can pick it up or you can have it delivered to you. And so what this is really but uh, for us is the opportunity. I saw the opportunity. People do not want to go to the grocery store. Michelle, you mentioned the anxiety you get from it because people are really not exercising social distancing. People are at home with their families. They're also cooking. Sometimes they're getting tired of the same food. Um, they want something different. Um, and sometimes people just it's like, you know, food tastes better when I'm not cooking it. When somebody else is cooking and cleaning, I know for me, sometimes I'm just like, my food tastes, food tastes so much better when my sister cooks it because then I don't have to clean up. But anyway, so we saw the opportunity there uh, where delivery curbside pickup was going to be um, an area where we could sort of take advantage of. And so we did. Um, so COVID has given us the opportunity to really use social media uh, to promote ourselves using the hashtags that are trending. So that way when people go online, we will be able to come up in their searches. I know with the different social media um, and their algorithm, sometimes you may not show up on people's feed. And surprisingly, we're social distancing, but word of mouth has continued to be really what's helped District Chop Bar to grow. It's because of clients like Lydia who are telling other people, you know, uh, that, oh, I ordered this pepper chicken date night. Here's this picture of my meal that I got. And someone said, oh, where did that come from? And tagging District Chopper. Now I, my this week's uh, menu, we just closed down on the orders list. But I'm seeing some of those people from that tag post that she made have made an order, you know. So I think my advice is look for the opportunity. What type of business are you providing? How can you be of service to people in need at this moment? What is it that you're doing? I, I heard of um, African uh, tailors and creatives who are creating masks for people. They're not selling them. They're giving it for free. But what a great opportunity to sort of highlight that type of business, right? Uh, for me, being in the food space, I'm providing that service where people can maybe step outside for a little bit with the curbside pickup. Or we can bring it to their house, but we're feeding people. And also soon, possibly next week, also have the opportunity, District Chopper, through one of the community organizations that we work with, to provide 
25 meals um, a day to the community um, through a grant as well. So I'm very grateful for that. I think it's just having a positive attitude and just really thinking ahead and looking for the opportunity that has brought us where we're able to say, we are in the food space. People, people want to eat. People never, you know, they never want to stop eating. They always want to eat. People are always excited about food, especially good food. It's African food. Maybe they haven't had it before. Wait, this is a perfect opportunity for them to try it then. And so that's really what we've been doing, looking at the opportunity. And I hope others who are listening can really think deep about it. You know, it may be something that just comes like that, or maybe it may take some steps looking around uh, what other people are doing for that inspiration, but you'll find it because right now COVID it's where April 9th today, but it's, you know, it might be going on for a little bit longer. So I really advise um, listeners to really think about what is it you're passionate about? How can you serve the people? Um, and, and how can you bring it to them during these challenging times? I think the restaurant industry has taken a huge hit with this virus, right? But I also think that there are lots of opportunities um, to be taken Absolutely. from really agile food uh food space entrepreneurs like yourself who are able to see those opportunities and you mentioned something that's very important being of service and you know everybody has to eat and how do you pivot your business not necessarily pivot but just adjust how you do business to meet the needs that people have in this moment and also something else important that you said be of service to your community and I think it's oh, all, yeah. yeah, it's also about like serving multiple needs. So it's not just about right. food, but I was talking to a colleague um, you know, this 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 afternoon, and she was saying, you know, the fatigue of having to feed her whole family three meals a day, <laughs> every day, seven days a week is something that she's never done before. She or she can't right. remember the last time that she had to do that. Right, so, right. Something about this, you know, the lunchbox idea, which is just so ingenious because it's a, it's delicious. I was licking my elbows on something. <laughs> but, um, Thank you for that. But it's it's also really catering for a specific need, which is people who are working, sometimes working more than they would if they were in the office, and right. Uh, providing them with the ease and the support of healthy good food and really sort of allowing them to take the time that they that they have to be with their families and kind of you know lessening the load so I really love the lunch just it's ingenious thank you thank you I think you sold it better than I did I should have you be you know my spokesperson for the after season lunch box it's exactly what the intent was there thank you for that yeah, she oh, had me salivating over your food from her Instagram post. I'm like, oh, when this detox I'm on is over, I'm on it. <laughs> right, right. You know, let us know. We're here to serve food for all. We actually really do follow that. Whether you're vegan, a pescatarian, you're following her loud diet. Um, just we're really here to provide food for everyone because we believe that people should not be restricted on the types of food they should eat, especially with African food or Afro-Caribbean food. We have healthy food. We have lots of vegetables in our foods. We have lots of exotic, like, vegetables and fruits and all that. Like, why not? And, and, and beans and all. Why not just share that with everyone? Exactly. Especially at a time when thinking about your immunity is kind of key 
really important to have you know, well-rounded, healthy food. Um, but before and that ginger beer will do the trick, let me tell you, around this time. When you mentioned the ginger beer and the sorrel, a.k.a. Bita, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yep. A game changer, absolutely. Uh, but before we get into um, where people can find you, because that's really important, um, the Thank last you. question that we always ask our, um, you know, our people on the show is, you know, where is the funding? WTF. So you've got yes. a little bit of, um, you know, where you were able to sort of seek out grants and other types of opportunities. But if you could reel off, you know, individual funds, foundations, um, development, financial, finance institutions, anything that you feel is supporting your demographic, particularly in the culinary space um, that you would share with the, with the audience. Absolutely. Um, one of my clients actually just shared this with me, and the deadline is coming up um, very soon. Um, I'm going to make sure I don't want to butcher the name of it, but it's basically um, Sister Economics, I believe, is um, the name of it. Um, it's called Sister Economics Empowerment Grant. And this grant, the deadline, I believe, is April 26th this um, month, and it's basically a grant for black business owners in DC. Uh, it's doing any activities that promote development, growth, and sustainability of business. And so supporting, again, the underserved areas of Ward 7 and Ward 8, so that's definitely one of them. And that grant is actually through the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, Inc., Metropolitan Washington DC chapter. Great. So there's that. Um, I mentioned earlier too um, the DC Department of Small and Local Business Development. They have grants. So again, it's Ward Seven and Eight. I find myself looking at a lot of those grants from Ward Seven and Eight just because it's where I live. It's the areas that I serve. Uh, but through the DC Department of Small and Local Business, they have a lot of programs. And so being part of them, they have a, a, a program called Made in DC for those who are um, makers who are based in DC. It's not just for the food space, but if you're making stuff that's DC based, they have opportunities to sort of help you brand that and really have the resources and tools you need. So that way you can be successful. The Latino Economic Development Center that I mentioned, I know it says uh, Latino Economic Latino in that part, but I think it's meant to serve minorities. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're Black, White, or Asian. When you hear about some of these opportunities, let them decide that they're not going to give it to you for whatever reason. I don't think that it should discourage you from applying. Any opportunity, if my schedule meets it, I'm going to show up. So somebody tells me, no, that I cannot. Uh, so those are some of those programs. I know the um, Chobani, the yogurt, also does a food incubator program as well. So your listeners can go on their website to look at that. There's also the eBay Startup Cup. I was part of um, that competition where they do a accelerated program where they bring in sort of coaches to sort of help you as you compete 
for the prize. Uh, so a lot of the programs that I've set are community-based and they're grant-based. Again, at this stage of my business, I'm really focusing more on grants and not loans, but I know that a lot of community banks um, also have loans that you can go through. Right now with COVID happening, I just want to shout out a few programs that I know about too. The Paycheck Protection Program, I know it's the PPP, people have heard about it, but it's a good opportunity if you have a restaurant or any business and your employees are affected, uh, definitely sign up for that. That's a quick, easy one, um, so that helps. And Margaret, that's and so, through that's through participating banks, correct? Exactly, exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. Yep, to participate in banks, and it's, it's basically a federal program because the federal government is encouraging banks to work with the community to make sure that they're able to help the employees and, and not have furloughs or layoffs as much as possible. And if they do that, they're able to bring these people back on. So I would say also- Banks are struggling know, with business. getting the money out a little bit, but yes, that's a great opportunity. Yes, they're definitely struggling to get the money out. Uh, the application process, even the unemployment, like filing for an unemployment or anything, the the, the phone lines are long or just the calls. I, you just have to keep trying. I think all these resources, who knows what will, you know, make a difference or actually work for you. It's not for everyone. But I think the goal really here is to try to reach out and, and look at as many options and opportunities as possible. Um, because right now, we just can't afford to fail. And the way the economy is looking right now is just we have to stay positive, and part of it is being proactive. Indeed, absolutely. Um, so, again, just thank you so much, Margaret. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm just so glad that you took your sort of purpose and something that you love to do and two years later you have a thriving business in the midst of a pandemic it's um it's it's quite an endeavor where can people find you and your amazing food oh thank you so much uh ladies this was a pleasure and i'm really grateful for platforms like this because I'm already listening to your other uh, guests that you had. I'm taking notes because it's really all about learning, right? I think this is that whole village mentality here. We're teaching each other and having a, a collective of uh, information so that way we can really be successful in whatever it is we're doing. Uh, people can find uh, District Shop Bar on um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, it's at District, like Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia. That's D-I-S. P-R-I-C-T, Chop Bar, which makes ship restaurant, we know the slang, C-H-O-P, and then B-A-R, all one word. That's the handle for all of those three platforms. Um, and if not, and you're in the D.C. area on a Sunday at 2 p.m., that's delivery time. So make sure you come by there. If you haven't ordered and you just want to see what it looks like, it's there. More likely, we'll have samples for you to try so that way we can say we told you so next time order your meal next week <laughs> but um that's pretty much where you can find us and our email address too is um the Talentia. we'll just leave it at the social media because with the email you can find it on our social media as well but uh we're operating from tastemakers which is the northeast side of dc our commercial kitchen so you'll find us there district shop bar 
Thank you so much, Margaret. Um, it was wonderful. Thank you, ladies. And I can't wait to get some of your delicious food when my detox is over. I can't <laughs> wait to serve you when your detox is over so you can say it was worth the detox and now it's worth having it. <laughs> Margaret, you're a star. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you, ladies, so much for your, your ongoing support. Really appreciate both of you. Take care and be safe. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. That was fantastic hearing from Margaret. The thing I liked about that episode was just how clear she is about her business focus and that for her business at this point in time, she's only looking for grant opportunities. And I think it's important for every entrepreneur to understand their business and to be clear about what they're looking for in terms of financing. Um, because you really have to understand your business and your cash flow and what your financing needs are to then make that determination. And, you know, Margaret's in the, the restaurant industry where we did talk about the statistics for restaurant business and the failure statistics are real and they're high. And just, I think that's part of her being very cautious about what she wants to take on in the early stage to get this business up and running and get to um, profitability. I also liked how very clear she was in sharing the resources that she was able to tap into in terms of funding and just other business development support from the district that is available. And I think based on that episode, anyone who is in the District of Columbia could really benefit from a lot of the resources that she provided in terms of opportunities that she was able to tap into. I think she did a very great job as to just laying into what those resources are, where they are, and how to access them. So we thank her for that. Yeah, I mean, I think Margaret is an example of a Renaissance woman. You know, she's she's obviously taken a passion um, in terms of cooking and created a viable business but she's also realizing the power of networking, the power of getting out there, the power of being a face and, you know, being a brand for her business and making sure that she's using every opportunity to make sure people know her in the community. And just at a time like this, when so many people are suffering and basically the disparities that, are part and parcel of our you know society are, are so prevalent and so obvious at the moment the idea that district chop bar can be supporting people who you know might be living in food deserts or might have issues with being able to uh, feed themselves and having her business be able to respond to the call of the district to feed people who, you know, are struggling right now, again, shows her ability to adapt and her ability to be flexible and support a need. So again, delicious food, wonderful concept, smart, savvy businesswoman, not afraid to network. It's all there. She ticked all the boxes for me. Well, there you have it. So go hit up District Chop Bar for some yummy West African food. If you've never had West African food before, this is a great opportunity to experiment. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And continue to listen 
like, rate, review, stream, download, all that good stuff. And we'll see you at the next episode. Thanks for listening.